Very good. All right. I told James, I said, is it okay if I just come and preach about Jesus this morning? And he goes, you know I'm all about it. So, I mean, you guys, James's heart is, is, uh, is just about lifting up the name of Jesus. And, and I got to tell you this, this doesn't normally, churches aren't normally this full on Memorial Day weekend. So I don't know what y'all are doing up here, but it's working. So it's awesome. And, uh, and I want to say this to you. I, I've been on this stage for several reasons, and it's just nice to be up here this morning preaching and talking about Jesus, and, um, and I also want to say uh, how proud I am of all of you. How many of you have been in this church for over a year? I want you to raise your hand. Many, many of you, I know there's a lot of you that are new, and, um, and it's just good to have all of you, uh, those of you that have joined us over this past year. This church has been through not just this location, but our church as a whole has been through a lot of transition. And I want to say uh, how, I just want to say how proud I am of you for hanging tough, how proud I am of, of the staff of this church. You guys got a phenomenal team. And I want to just say how proud I am of Tony Morgan. He was in the first service and, and James for just carrying and leading this through just, you know, what's been a very challenging year, and you, but you guys are healthy now. And so, man, thank you just for, for thanks to James, the staff, to Tony, for everybody. Well, get a Bible if you have one. If you don't, we're going to be on the screen here with Colossians um, in just a moment. But uh, last night, I was jogging through my neighborhood, and uh, I I live in a neighborhood that has a lot of hills, which neighborhood doesn't in the state of Georgia, uh, unless you're down south. But um, I was jogging through my neighborhood, and I found myself just thanking God for this past year. just, Just thanking God for all of the different things, because... This has been, for me personally, and for many of you, this has been a year of shaping, this has been a year of pruning, this has been a year of molding, this has been a year of sifting. And, matter of fact, um, after more than 36 years of being a Christ follower, I, I can honestly tell you with confidence that God never stops that. He never stops molding, He never stops pruning, He never stops shaping and sifting. And some of it's painful, some of it's scary, some of it is, is, is I mean, it just... You know, Lord, you're, I mean, it's, it's uncertain. You're like, Lord, what are you doing? But, and some of it's exciting, but it's always molding. And it's always molding. God's always using it to mold us into the image of Jesus and to take us deeper on our walk with Christ. A few years ago, I was hanging out with a friend of mine uh, who's a pastor in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. He's actually a, a mentor of mine, and, and I've just been a dear friend for many years, a guy named Bob Roberts. And Bob is just this big dude from East Texas who just got that... Texas drawl about him, you know, but man, I'm telling you, when he speaks, he just speaks with authority, and he probably is one of the most influential guys in the whole world as far as church planting. Their, their church has planted over 150 churches in the United States alone. Uh, he's probably the most connected pastor that I've ever been, that I've ever known in just the Muslim world. Uh, matter of fact, I traveled with him back in 2004 to Egypt, and when you travel with this guy, it's like being with Indiana Jones. I mean, you never know when you're going to be in the wrong place at the wrong time, running from the wrong people. It's just, it's crazy being with this guy, he just, but he knows so many people. But when I'm with him, one of the things I love about him is he stretches my faith, he stretches my walk with Jesus, and God has used him in my life in many of these moments that I've been through of, of just pruning and shaping. And we were talking about something a few years ago. I, I remember I was in Fort Worth and sitting down with him, and, and, and he, said, he said, Brian, I want to tell you something. He just gets real intense, you know. Kind of, have you ever seen James preach? He grabs his head, you know. Bob, <laughs> Bob just gets so in your face, you know. And he goes, I want to tell you what God's teaching me right now in my life. And I'm going, okay. You know, he's going to talk to me about, you know, working with the government in North Vietnam or, 
you know, working with, you know, tribal leaders in Afghanistan or planting churches in the Palestinian region. I mean, all these things are things he does. Um, he, he could have said anything like that. But here, here's what he says to me. He goes, the big question that God is just nailing me with right now, the big thing on my heart right now is just, and I can't get it off my heart, is this question, is Jesus enough? Is Jesus enough? Take away the church, all the global initiatives, all the church planting, meeting with government leaders. Is Jesus enough? Now, before any of you look down on my friend Bob for asking the question, I want to tell you something. I have wrestled deeply with that question, that one question, maybe more than any other question I've ever wrestled with in my life. Honestly, and it's probably the hardest question I've ever dealt with. Now, I know most of you don't know me, all right? Um, You've heard of me from afar, and you're part of this church with three locations and this and that. But I want to tell you, I, I, am, I, am, I love what I do. I wake up thinking about it. I go to bed at night probably thinking about it. I'm driven. I'm results-oriented. I'm competitive. I'm wound a little bit tightly. How many of you have ever seen the movie Top Gun before? All right? I'm dating some of you, all right? Not going out, but we're dating you know, what, what year you were born. All right? Um, but, you know, the, um, remember that, that line in Tom, Tom Cruise? He says, he goes, I, I've got a need. I've got a need for speed. I mean, I relate to that. And I want to tell you something. I, I want desperately to make a difference in God's kingdom. I want God to use me. I want to see lives changed. I want to build a church that will outlast me. I want to plant churches all over the world. I want to advance the kingdom here in northwest Atlanta. And I thank God he's wired me that way. And thank God. I mean, you have a pastor that God's wired for in a very similar way. And, and, and I thank God that he's allowed me to, to experience a lot of cool things in ministry already. But I want to tell you something. I, at the end of the day, I have to go back and I have to keep saying, what is it that drives me? Man, I'm pumped about what I do. I get excited about what, but what is it that drives me? What's going on in the depths of what ultimately motivates me? What, what really is happening in the unevangelized areas of my heart? What, what, what is it that if it were all taken away and everything was gone tomorrow, I mean, could I truly rest in Jesus Am I content in what I have in Jesus, or must there be more? Is Jesus truly enough? Is Jesus enough? Well, I want to, this morning, I want to challenge you. I want to ask you the same question, and I want you to relate it to your life, and I want you to, to just wrestle with this for a moment. Is Jesus enough? What if you lost your job tomorrow? Would Jesus be enough? If all of a sudden this relationship that you're in, that you're, maybe you're just, you're, is so key to your life, what if it fell apart tomorrow? Would Jesus still be enough? What if someone who you just trusted deeply just disappointed you? Would Jesus be enough? What if the dream that you had for your life didn't pan out? Or, or you entered into a tough time where your world didn't, just, didn't make sense? Or, or you couldn't see God in the midst of what you were dealing with? Would Jesus truly be enough? enough. See, I believe that that one question is a question that every one of us in this room, we have to settle, we have to settle way down deep in our heart. Because here's the deal. If Jesus is not enough, number one, we're going to wrestle. We're always going to live with restlessness in our soul. And I can tell you, I can tell you when I'm struggling with this question. It's just when there's this unhealthy restlessness inside of me. Recently, I was reading a book, um, and I've been actually taking the staff of Westridge through this book, uh, by a guy named Tully and Chavigian, who's Billy Graham's grandson. And I've got to tell you, this book has rocked me. And it's a book called Jesus Plus Nothing Equals Everything. And he talks about this issue of restlessness. And he, he asks this question. 
Are we trying to find our rest in something smaller than Jesus? Do I need something else in my life to be what only Jesus can be for me? Now, I don't know about you, but when Jesus is not enough in my life, I get agitated. There's just this impatience in me. There's anxiety, there's stress, there's uneasiness. Chavidjian says, he says, he says, where your restlessness is rooted is where a confrontation with the gospel is needed. St. Augustine, in talking about Jesus, he said, you made us for yourself. Our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you alone. And so if Jesus is not enough, I want to tell you something. We're always going to find this sense of restlessness inside of us. The second thing is, we're going to become performance-driven. Now, I've got to tell you, um, James and I have talked a lot about this because we have very similar backgrounds. I grew up in a very performance-driven religious world. Matter of fact, early on in my Christian years, even in my early years of ministry, I was convinced that God's love and his acceptance of me was based totally on how well I performed for him. See, when Jesus is not enough, we, we try to add on to be what only Jesus can be for us. We feel that we can find our significance in, in maybe being more successful, or we can find our, success, our acceptance in more people knowing our name, or we can find our security in what other people think about us. When Jesus is not enough, we don't simply try to replace Jesus. What we do is we try to add on to Jesus. We tried, we tried, basically, we become driven by performance. And then we have to ask ourselves, am I working hard to simply perform or am I working hard to rest in Christ's performance for me? And number three, we begin add to, to, to add idols to Jesus. See, idolatry is simply trying to build our identity on something bigger than Jesus. An idol is anything or anyone that you conclude in your heart must, you must have in order for your life to be meaningful, valuable, secure, exciting, or free. I want you to think about that for a moment, what I just said. All right? What I just said, what is it that you have to have in your life right now in order for you to feel like your life is meaningful, valuable, secure, exciting, or free? Who is that person? What is that thing? What is that relationship? What is that occupation? What is it about your kids that they have to do for you to feel as a parent valuable or secure? I mean, what is that? See, whatever that is outside of Jesus has become your idol. And Martin Luther says, whatever your heart clings to and confides in, that is really your God. That's why God is so passionate about us smashing our idols. In his word, he calls them a delusion. He calls them worthless. He calls them less than nothing. They create bondage in our lives. They, they make us captives. They turn us into spiritual orphans. And Jesus came to set captives free. He came to liberate us from bondage. He came to point us to the Father. That's why Jesus plus nothing truly does equal everything because Jesus is truly enough. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says in the book of Colossians about this issue. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 11, he says, May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Here's what Paul's saying. He says, because of Jesus, he says, I've been given all power to endure and overcome whatever trials or temptations may come my way. Because of Jesus, I have full access to the Father. Because of Jesus, I am, I'm a full heir of everything that my Father has promised me as one of his own children. 
Because of Jesus, I have been delivered from the realm of Satan and the power of evil. It has no hold over me. Because of Jesus, I have been forgiven of my sins. And then he goes on to say, in chapter 2, verse 9, he says, For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all, of all rule and authority. That word fullness, it means, it means complete. That means that nothing more has to be done. Nothing more can be added. I can rest. You can rest. I don't need to perform. You don't need to perform. I can throw away my idols because everything I need, I already have in Jesus. And so because of Jesus is enough, because Jesus is enough, listen, we are fully accepted in Christ if you're a child of God. We are fully, totally secure in Christ. And we are completely significant in Christ. Because Jesus is enough, I don't have to beat myself over whether someone accepts me or not. I don't, have, I don't have to perform to gain someone's approval. I can rest because my Heavenly Father fully accepts me. Now, I want to let you into the pastoral world for just a moment. And that's just not me, but it's most guys that I know who are in this crazy world called being a pastor. One of the worst times of the week for a pastor is Sunday night or Monday morning. As a matter of fact, a lot of pastors call Monday morning the holy hangover. All right? And um, let me tell you what happens for a lot of pastors on Sunday night. We're tired, we're drained, and Satan likes to come and mess with our head and just like, oh, if you just, you just, if you would have said that differently, it would have been more understood. Or, or, man, that message really was terrible. Or you stumbled over that word. Or you said that, but you really meant that, and now it's misunderstood. Or this or that. Or, you know, I'm going to tell you something. We like to replay things in our minds over and over and over. See, if, Drew, if Jesus is truly enough, then I don't have to beat myself up on Sunday night. Translate into the world that you live in. If Jesus is truly enough, you don't have to beat yourself up. You don't have to wonder if what you did was good or bad. I mean, I don't have to wonder this morning if this sermon's good or bad, and maybe it's not. I don't know. But I'll tell you what, I can be totally secure in Christ because of what Jesus has done. When Jesus is enough, I don't have to strain to find my significance in how big of a church Westridge church becomes or how many people know my name. I can be completely significant in Christ. If we are truly in Christ, then everything we need, we already possess. He is enough. Listen, this is the message that I never got growing up. This is the message that I didn't hear in college. This is the message that I didn't get in seminary. It might have been being spoken. I just, maybe I wasn't listening. But it's the journey that God has had me on over the last few years. And here's what I'm learning. I'm learning that the gospel doesn't just free you up from what other people think about you. It frees you up from what you think about yourself. And you know what that means? It means you're free. It means you're free. So how do we embrace this? How do we embrace the fact that Jesus is truly enough? First of all, we've got to realize that Jesus plus anything will always lead us back to emptiness. Listen, the reason that I'm so passionate about this topic is because I look at the world outside of me and I just see this world, this degree of narcissism in the world that is so sickening. I mean, the, the insecurity... The, the, just, the, the, just the desperate need for approval, the striving for acceptance, even for those of us that know Christ. I mean, it's just sickening. You think about, I don't know how many of you are on Facebook or even Twitter. Um, and I think there's probably more things that I haven't found yet, but I'm in those two little worlds. And, but I look at Facebook, like I look at my kids' friends and I look at pastors that are out there. I look at just people and I, it's like this, please accept me. Please love me. Please validate me. 
please let me know what, that you think I'm wonderful. Twitter, please retweet what I say so that I can think that what you think that I said is important. I mean, it's like unbelievable. Help me feel significant. Help me to find value. Listen, we need to learn to rest in who we are in Christ alone. Because Jesus and your acceptance of what he has done on the cross, when you get that, you don't have to worry about all that stuff. You're already, you realize you're already as loved as much as you were ever going to be loved. You're already as accepted as much as you're going to be accepted. You are totally significant in the eyes of the creator of the universe. God has placed a huge value on you so much that he sent his son Jesus to die on your behalf. I'm going to preach over this train. I'm going to preach over the train. And if you don't settle this issue, the issue of Jesus ultimately being enough, here's what's going to happen. You're going to run into a wall of emptiness every time. I don't care how old you are. Jesus or whatever, or whoever, plus whatever, whoever will always lead to emptiness. And so the question is, is Jesus enough? Settle this question in your heart. And then for the rest of your life, I want to tell you what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to keep settling it over and over and over and over and over again. And if you don't wrestle with this question, and if you don't keep settling it over and over and over again, listen, you're going to keep looking for artificial fillers to fill a void in your life that only Jesus can fill. One of my very favorite passages of Scripture is in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Solomon, after this just pursuit of all of these fillers in his life, here's what he says. He says, I've seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into, the man, into man's heart, yet so that he can find out what God has done from the beginning of end, to, to the end. Solomon says that God has put eternity in the hearts of men. In other words, there's a void inside of us that only Jesus can fill. And our role in life is to point people to Jesus who is the author and the perfecter and the finisher of our faith. We are his ambassadors to people all around us to help them to find their security and their acceptance and their significance in Christ alone. But we've got to settle that ourselves first. Because here's the deal. Anything that you add to Jesus will not only lead you, but will lead others to emptiness. Anything that you try to find your identity in that is smaller than Jesus will lead you on a perilous pursuit to emptiness. Your heart will always be restless until you learn to rest in him. And the second thing, you've got to embrace freedom and refuse to go back to slavery. You say, what are you talking about? Galatians 5.1. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. The book of Galatians is all about legalism, moralism, performance-based Christianity. Anything I find myself, I find, I add to Jesus to find my self-worth and my security and my approval and my acceptance. It not only leads me to emptiness, but it drives me back to slavery. Performance, legalism, moralism. It's all a path to slavery. It becomes all about self. Self equals slavery. Christ equals freedom. If Christ truly has set us free, then we've got to embrace that. And we've got to lead others to freedom as well. And we've we got to refuse. We're just not ever going to go back. We can't. And then Paul tells us in, in, in Colossians 3, he says, So set our minds and our hearts on things above where your life is hid with Christ in God. Tim Keller who pastors Redeemer Church in, in New York City. He says in a book, Counterfeit Gods, 
He says that when we learn to set our minds and our hearts on things above and we find our life in Christ, we will appreciate and rejoice and rest in what Jesus has done for us. Jesus must become more beautiful than your idol. That is what will replace your counterfeit gods. If you uproot the idol and fail to plant the love of Christ in its place, the idol will always grow back. And so what we have to do, we have to embrace the freedom that we find in Christ alone. And we have to plant the love of Christ inside of it. Woo, that was a good catch. And refuse to go back to slavery. Refuse to go back to bondage. And we have to learn to find our acceptance and our security and our self-worth in Jesus alone instead of depending on something else. And then the third thing, we have to learn to relax in the truth of these three words. It is finished. It is finished. Leonard Ravenhill says these are the greatest words ever uttered by the greatest man that ever lived. See, when Jesus was on the cross and he said these words, you guys, we did a series on this just a, a few months ago. When Jesus said, it is finished, the ultimate sacrifice for sin had been made. Death was defeated. Satan lost his power over us. The law was fulfilled. Reconciliation with God was now made available. Forgiveness was now ours. It was finished and nothing could be added to it. And so this morning, we must learn to rest in the finished work of God's Son. You know what that means? It means that because Jesus was strong for me, I am free to be weak. It means because Jesus won for me, I am free to lose. Because Jesus was someone, I am free to be no one. Because Jesus was extraordinary, I am free to be ordinary. Because Jesus has succeeded, I'm free to fail. It's okay. Let me tell you where that question of Jesus being enough is going to get tested the most in your life. At your biggest moments of success and your lowest moments of failure. Your worst moments of life where you're going through tough times. If you've been at this church for, for a while, um, you kind of know the history of some things that have happened here, and you may know the history of some things that happened at Westridge. And um, back in January, a few months ago, I was sitting around um, an environment with a, a bunch of pastors, and, and um, we were talking about just trying to catch up on some things before we talked about working together in the community. And I said, hey, let's just talk about what, you know, the year 2011's been like for you. And so everyone went around the room and kind of talked about what their year's been like, and it was just all these great stories of growth and success and this and that and kind of came to me and I went I got to tell you 2011 is probably been the worst year I've ever had in ministry I mean it's just been a crazy year and I started talking off about how you know in 2011 we had we had just experienced the largest growth year we'd ever had Westridge with three locations was now running over 5,000 people and we started this church planning network called Launch and we went to multi-site two new Westridge locations one in West Paulding one here in Cartersville But we got into January 2011, and I sensed in my spirit something was not right. And God put it on my heart, pray for healthiness. Just pray for healthiness. And I just gave God really a blank sheet of paper, and I said, I don't know what you're asking me to do, but I'm going to pray. And I said, Lord, I don't know what you need to do here, but man, it seems like things are going well. Make us healthy. And then all of a sudden in March, things got a little crazy. Um found out here that there was a moral failure situation going on in May of that same year. Um, there were some unhealthy things going on at our West location. I ended up having to fire one of my best friends who was also one of the guys who started Westridge with me or 15 years ago and was the pastor of our other multi-site. And so, I mean, everything is like teeter-tottering. And in May, I mean, it was like all of a sudden, as soon as that happened, it was like the bottom just dropped right out. And people just... 
I think we figured out that over 800 people have left over the last year or so. I mean, and a lot of these folks are people who I know their names. And, man, a lot of them just went out swinging. Facebook, blogging, Twittering, letters, threats, security. I mean, it's just been a crazy year. And what I've learned are sheep bite. (laughs) And when they do, it's painful. But I want to tell you what, this question has come up in my mind over and over again. What if the whole thing falls apart? What if everything just tanks and nothing is left? Jesus, are you still enough? And for months, I mean nearly every month over the last year, I've just heard of one family after the next. People I know, I mean just saying this or that about the church or leaving or whatever, and God would just put it back in front of me. Where are you finding your security? Where are you finding your self-worth? Where are you finding your acceptance? Where are you finding your significance? Is it in what others are saying about you? Is it in what what you might be reading on Facebook or, or what my son Jesus has already accomplished on your behalf? Toughest year of ministry. And I'll tell you, I've had many moments where I've questioned my calling over this past year. And in the midst of it, my wife and I made a decision to write a book together. Listen, you want to strain your marriage, write a book with your spouse. And it's crazy because every chapter in that book, it, it's, and I want to tell you, it's written to church planners, but it's written to just people. Not only to help you understand, like, just the church and ministry, but, but we talk about raising kids, and we talk about marriage, and we talk about just growth and change and dealing with friendship issues and, you know, people that we work with and all that stuff. And, but it was like with every chapter, we would begin to write, and we'd go, oh, we're living this out. What's the next chapter? Moral pure? No, I don't want to deal with that. Let, I mean, it's like every chapter we just, and it was a crazy thing. And here's what I realized over the last year. In the midst of all of it that God was doing, what I thought was the worst year, God was doing his best work inside of me. God was doing his very best work inside of me. He was sifting and pruning me, pruning me and he wasn't just pruning me, but he was pruning our churches as well. He was pruning this place. He was pruning east and west. He was pruning all of it. But it forced me to go back once again to where all I had, and I'm there now, is just in Christ alone. And you know what I found? I have found that he's everything I need. He's all that I need. And here's what else I found. Over this past year, sometimes, you know, when we go through tough times, we tend to want to focus on all of the negative, all the bad things, all of the things that are being said and this and that. Um, I've realized this has been probably, if you want to really look at what healthiness is, people coming to Christ, people getting baptized, people, I mean, it's been the best year we've ever had. Not just here, but over in Paulding County as well. I mean, just, God has been doing unbelievable things. And... Um, in the midst of all of that, I want to tell you, God um, allowed us to, my wife and I, in the, right, it was in October of last year when it was kind of at the height of all of it, God let my wife and I escape for 10 days. I got an invitation to speak for two weekends in a row, all expenses paid to this little place, I don't know if you've ever heard of it, called Hawaii. And we said yes. <laughs> it was tough to turn that down, but I said yes. And every morning, um, my wife and I, we'd get up and we'd walk out on to, from our hotel across the street and on the beach and we'd hold hands and we would just talk every morning for about an hour just talk and we'd come back and I'd just fill my mind up with scripture and, and I'd put my headphones on and I would just listen to songs about who I was in Christ and God's unconditional love for me and as I did 
He was reaching down and restoring my soul and renewing my strength and reigniting my passion. In the midst of all that you may be going through right now, and some of you are going through some tough stuff, I know. The question is, is Jesus enough? As you go back, uh, you know, to where you're going to go to today, as you go out of this place, as you go into Memorial Day celebration where this weekend, you know, we all experience together, as you go back to your jobs on Tuesday or tomorrow, whenever that is, as you're walking through maybe a challenging situation, I want you to know Jesus asks all of us the same question. As I sent you out, or as I'm sending you out, is there anything you need? Are you lacking anything? A few days before Jesus went to the cross, he looked at his disciples. He was sending them out to minister. In Luke chapter 22, he said to them, he said, when I sent you out with no money bag, no knapsack, or sandals, did you lack anything? And they said, nothing. It's very profound. Nothing. And as we leave this place, I want you to understand as well. Jesus asks us the same thing. As I send you out, as you walk through life, do you lack anything? And may we all get to the place where we're able to say, Lord, nothing was lacking. You gave us everything we needed, everything we needed for our identity, everything we needed for our peace, for our security, for our hope, for our acceptance, for our faith, our significance, our self-worth. Lord, we lacked nothing because Jesus is truly enough. Let's bow our heads. I don't know, maybe you've walked into this place this morning, someone invited you or you just haven't been in church in a while or maybe you've been in church for a while and you've never really settled the question in your heart Jesus enough. For some of you, you've been a believer for a long time, but you just, you realize this morning, I mean, you've just spent so much time trying to add so much to Jesus. It's turned into performance-based or moralism or legalism or just, you keep running into a wall of emptiness. And maybe this morning is just a morning just to say, Lord, I want to settle this issue. I want to smash the idol. I want to, I want to crush everything that I'm trying to add to you because you are enough. Maybe you're someone this morning that's never settled the fact in your heart that what Jesus did on the cross for you was enough to provide forgiveness, to provide true acceptance and security in your life. You're lost without Jesus. And can I tell you, not only are you lost in this world, but you'll be lost in eternity as well. Our sin has created a huge problem for us. Death. And because of Jesus, we can now experience life and forgiveness. And if that's where you are this morning, you've never truly put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone to be your personal Savior, I want to give you that opportunity right now. Why don't you just reach your heart up to Him and just maybe say something like this in your heart. Lord Jesus, at this very moment, I put all of my faith and all of my trust in You alone. I want to tell you, you are enough. And I need forgiveness of my sins, so I repent at this moment. And Lord, I put all of my faith at the cross. Lord, there's nothing I can do, not even on my best day, to earn the kind of acceptance and approval and security that only Jesus can bring. And so, Jesus, you are the Son of God. 
You are the Savior of the world, the Redeemer of mankind. And I ask you into my life right now to be my Savior. If you just prayed that prayer, you have a connection card in your hand that you were given as you came to the door. Let us know this morning. Just put your name on it. Fill it out. There's a box that says, this morning I prayed to receive Jesus as my Savior. Just check that box. Let us know. We want to celebrate that with you and help you to, to get on this, what we call here at Western's a life change journey of being a follower of Jesus Christ, fully devoted follower. Lord, for the rest of us, we're so grateful that you're enough. Nothing more has to be done. And may we find our completeness in you today. In Jesus' name, amen.